the revelation of Jesus. And we can see why he prayed for the Ephesians, that, the God, that God would enlighten the eyes of their hearts, just like Jesus did to him. The blind uh, Fanny Crosby, the hymn writer Fanny Crosby, she wrote, I sometimes think that blind people see more than their friends who have the power of vision. And I wonder if that's because they have to learn, they can only learn to see Jesus with the eyes of their heart. So these dark, three dark yet enlightening days for Paul, what, how, how wonderful and how disorienting, how humbling they must have been for him. Right? He thought he was serving God by persecuting these Christians, but in fact he was persecuting the Lord, and the Lord was Jesus, and the Lord yet in his grace, in his saving grace, revealed all this to Paul in his heavenly light, Wonderful, disorienting, humbling, as it is, I think, many times when God opens the eyes of our hearts. It can be wonderful, but disorienting, humbling times when God does that. And it's good to remember why Jesus did this for Paul. Of course, he had a mission for Jesus, but it wasn't, he wasn't doing this for Paul because Paul was... Uh, doing a great work for God. <laughs> he was persecuting the people of God. This is because God was merciful, of course, to Paul. That's why, it's always why God reveals himself to us, why he corrects us, why he shows us something, why he shows us a way he leads us in something, he instructs us in something. Not because we've reached a certain level in our Christian life or our professional life, or our political life, our public life. He always does this because of mercy. So when we ask him, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, we don't have to think back, how do I deserve this? Am I at a place where I've done enough for God to answer this prayer? No, he always answers this because of his mercy. Whether it's the first time or the hundredth time or a time here at a retreat. I think of how God awakened me <laughs> to the person of Christ and to his finished work, to, his, to my identity in him and my adoption in him. And it wasn't because I was displaying a lot of great virtues. I was very self-centered and rebellious and reckless in my life. It was because of mercy, as it always is. Well, let's pause and enter into some silence and consider this, this mercy of God. Let's consider how Jesus in his mercy revealed himself to Paul. Let's consider how Jesus in his mercy has revealed himself in all kinds of things to all kinds of undeserving people across the globe through the centuries, including you and me. Let's enter into silence and just consider this and receive some more of this mercy. Let's enter into silence.
Father, thank you how in your mercy you revealed your Son to Paul. Thank you how in your mercy you have revealed your Son to each of us. Increase our capacity to see and receive from your Son. Meanwhile, as blind Paul is praying and learning to wait on the Lord to renew his strength, he receives visions from Jesus, and so is Ananias. And Jesus tells Ananias what he's been showing Paul and to go to Paul. And understandably, Ananias has some major reservations, (laughs) He knows what Paul has done to his dear sisters and brothers. Imagine, imagine that. He probably knew some of those people. But Jesus reassures Ananias of the larger narrative at play here. And that he's actually chosen Paul, the persecutor, to be his instrument, to bring his name, the name of Jesus, to nations and the ruler of nations and to Israel. And we learn more about this mission from Jesus when later in Acts, Paul is standing before one of those rulers. We read Acts and all of this comes true. He's standing before Agrippa, the great uh, grandson of Herod the Great. And he's giving Agrippa his testimony which is basically an extended version of what we read here in in Acts 9. And in this extended version, we read that Jesus also told Paul this. He said to Paul, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and what you will see of me. And again, remember, he saw a lot with his ears and the eyes of his heart. And I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles, and I'm sending them to you, or sending you to them, to open their eyes, Jesus says, and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they might receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So there's the basic job description for Paul from Jesus to open their eyes so that they could see and receive the redemption of Jesus. That's what Paul was doing in all his letters and all his missionary work. That's what we should ask for. Help us to see and receive. That's what we should be praying for each other, for others. Help them, help us to see and receive what you want us to see and receive. There's also a little footnote to this job description. Jesus also tells Paul, shows Paul how much Paul is going to suffer in this job. 
to do this. The dreaded persecutor of Christians is going to become one of the persecuted Christians. The irony again. What Jesus shows us isn't always comfortable, can be disorienting, humbling, disconcerting. But whatever he shows us, we know it's important. It's true. And somehow he's going to bring something good and redemptive. Somehow this is going to play a part in that larger redemptive story we're all part of. So Jesus shows Ananias this larger redemptive narrative that's at play and all that he's been revealing to Paul. And so Ananias is able to put his reservations aside and goes to Paul. Notice here, though, how Jesus confirms both what he showed Paul with Ananias and what he showed Ananias with Paul. He's showing them similar things so they can be confirmed and affirmed in what they've seen. I think this is one of the gifts Jesus gives us in community. He helps with our other brothers and sisters to confirm what we think we're seeing from God or maybe to question it. Is this really from God? To help us in our listening to that voice, growing in our discernment. <clears throat> Whenever we, we start to sense something from God, we should, of course, first go to the scriptures. Does this resonate? Does, is this in line with what the Spirit already inspired and did in the scriptures? Does it resonate with that? And then I think it's always good to, to go to brothers and sisters who are more mature than us, maybe a spiritual director or just a mentor who's been doing this for a while with the scriptures and with other Christians and say, you know, I, I think I'm sensing this from Jesus, this leading, this direction. Does that line up with what you've sensed with Jesus through the years? Or do you have some questions? To keep us, help us to distinguish our voice from the voice of Jesus. It keeps us from blaming Jesus sometimes for bad choices. When we weren't necessarily listening to the voice of Jesus, we're just listening to our desires, our thoughts. And that's happened a lot. It's just good to test what we have sensed with someone else, to grow in that discernment. So Ananias, he comes to Paul, and at this time, it's Saul. And his first words are, I loved how Anna emphasized this, Brother Saul. Those are his first words. It shows he not only uh, set aside his reservations, <laughs> you know, he not only trusted Jesus, that what Jesus said was true, he's walking in the way of Jesus. He set aside his reservations and probably his resentment to this man, who probably hurt and harmed many of his sisters and brothers. As the first words are, brother Saul. And he places his hands on, on Paul and says, brother. And he tells, tells him that Jesus has sent him and, um, to, to help Paul, enable Paul to see again and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love that Jesus didn't need Ananias to do this, to say this, right? Uh, he never does that, but he, he never needs to do that, but he is God with us. He loves to do things with us, to, to speak to and heal people through us and with us. That's who he is. 
That's how he works. So Ananias is here, he's, he's got his hands on Paul and he's telling Paul all this and then suddenly something like scales falls from Paul's eyes. I wish video cameras were <laughs> in existence at this time. I want to know what that looked like, what was going on. I've tried to look at different artistic representations and um, there's hardly any. Because uh, it's, yeah, what was happening there? Was this like physical scales? Was it something spiritual? Was he trying to say this is metaphorical? Whatever it was, that is what's happening in this whole story. Both physically, spiritually, and metaphorically, something like scales have been falling off of Paul's eyes. He thought he was seeing correctly, but he was blind. And and scales have been coming off, and his vision has been opened up. And we come to God with a lot of scales, a lot of veils over our eyes. Wounds that have happened to us, they distort our vision of God. Sins we commit, idols we worship, distort our vision of God. Ignorance, lies, busyness distorts our vision because we can't Slow down enough to look and to listen to Jesus. We need this work. We need God to remove the scales and the veils of our eyes. And we need brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers, to help us in that work. Because by ourselves, I think, we think we see very clearly. <laughs> But you get close to people in community and in Christian friendship, and you suddenly realize, hmm, I wasn't seeing so clearly. And you suddenly realize you need these sisters and brothers to help remove those scales, to help you see God better. So let's pause and enter into silence again. Remember those times, let's consider those times when the Holy Spirit has removed those scales and those veils from our eyes. Those times he did enable us to see Jesus a little more clearly than we had before. Let's enter into silence and do just that. Father, thank you for the scales and the veils you have removed from our eyes, for helping to see your son. Father, continue this good work in us this day, this season of our life. 
then says, Paul got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. So this baptism and all that was connected to it, all that was symbolized by this baptism, this left a deep impression upon Paul. As I've said before, a lot of scholars think much of what Paul wrote in his letters was him working out the meaning of his baptism, what it means to be plunged into Christ, and for him plunged into the light of Christ on the road to Damascus. It says he took some food, and food in Acts, it signals fellowship. It's not just nourishment. It's fellowship. It can signal communion. I love on your schedule or in this, if you notice, what is Paul getting baptized in? It's a massive communion cup. <laughs> so Sunday morning, we're going to know. <laughs> um, I love, though, yeah, after all this, it ends with our section, Paul was strengthened. This is a strong word. It's, it means to, yes, have your strength renewed, to be revitalized, invigorated for life. This wasn't just because he had a nice meal, although he needed some. He hadn't eaten for three days. But it was everything, everything that preceded this. All that Paul saw, all that he received, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the, the welcome, the forgiveness of both God and Ananias and the food all strengthened him in a new way, a new way for living. Imagine how dejected he would have been maybe during those three days, what he was thinking, what he was regretting. And here he's been renewed at the end. Paul in his letters talks about this a lot. If you read his letters, he talks about being strengthened by the Lord. It's a phrase he comes back to again and again. Strengthened in the faith. Strengthened for every good endeavor. Being strengthened with power by the Spirit. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength. I wonder how much he's referring back to this day. And how much that strength continued to, to permeate his life. He's not just talking about the strength of hamburgers. <laughs> as good as hamburgers are. I love some hamburgers. <laughs> He's talking about a lot of things here. The strength of the Holy Spirit. The strength of, commun of Christian fellowship. Of physical healing he, restored, he was restored with. The strength. This is the, the renewing, the revitalizing promise we're reading about, we've read about in Isaiah 40. He's waited on the Lord those three days, and he's received that strength. Consider how much strength and vitality Paul had to serve after this. All that he did in his missionary endeavors, his church plantings, church strengthening endeavors, he was persecuted, he suffered, and yet he continued to walk with Jesus throughout this land, serving others, laying down his life in powerful ways. He was imprisoned, but in his letters, in his relationships, in his prayers, he soared like an eagle. This wasn't just his personality. He had help from the helper. 
strength. Let's go into silence one more time and trust God for this strength. Open ourselves up a little more to this strength, this renewing work of God. And after some time, I'm going to read this Isaiah passage again. And imagine how God did this for Saul, now Paul. And imagine how he could do this for us. Let's enter into silence. Imagine with the help of the Spirit how God did this for Paul and how he could do this for us. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint.
May it be so.